DJ and PK, it is time to talk NBA Finals with Ann Myers Drysdale, Vice President for the Phoenix Suns and the Mercury, and a broadcaster as well. And she joins us on the Smart Rain guest line. It's no secret that Utah is in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is a solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation. Find out more at smartrain.net. And good morning. Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. We have, uh, we've been discussing there's a lot of parallels between uh, Phoenix and Salt Lake City. It's two teams that have been in the playoffs a lot and been to the finals a couple times, but never won a title. And I would think on the morning of Game 4, up 2-1, to one, there's a lot of nervousness. There's a lot of anticipation. There's some serious jitters amongst people who have no control over the outcome, but are seriously emotionally invested anyway. Aren't they? <laughs> The fans certainly are emotionally uh, involved. And, um, you know, that's what makes the games fun, too, because it was nice to see the crowds back after the pandemic. And um, certainly the timing couldn't be better going into the playoffs. And uh, I think Utah is one of the toughest places to play. Uh, Their fans are fanatics, which are fantastic that they support the Jazz so well. And, uh and quite frankly, the the Suns have that same kind of support too. So, um, you know, the, I was a big part of <clears throat> cheering for the Stockton and Malone years. And you know, Mark Eaton, we just passed. He just passed away. Was a huge friend of mine from UCLA. And um, you know, that was pretty sad. And I talked to Frank Layden about that, and he said, you know, the Utah Jazz probably wouldn't be where they were today if if uh, Mark Eaton hadn't played for the Jazz. And uh, so, um, yeah, they're, they're just on the verge, and they had some tough games. And uh, so the Suns have stayed in it, and they're in the finals. Yeah, I grew up at uh, I-17 and Greenway Road, so uh, I, I know the uh, Phoenix area. My sisters live there. My parents are gone, but my, my sisters are way in it. My wife's a native of the Phoenix area, and I was compared moving up. I moved up to Salt Lake here in 1993, and I've always compared here to what it was like with the Suns before the Cardinals, before the Coyotes, before the Diamondbacks. And, you know, it was the, the one big pro team was the basketball team and, and uh, how they really rallied around it. This, the, the, there's a lot of similarities in the community, so I'm excited to, to see the Suns. In my mind, as I looked at the Suns going into the season, I thought that all things, if all things went well, best case, they could finish fourth in the West. You know, I thought home court in the first round would be great. And obviously they superseded that. From you being up close, what are some of the reasons that I think, as far as most prognostications, they've exceeded them? Well, certainly as we know, and everybody will tell you that's part of the league, that, you know, injuries play a huge part of where teams end up at the end. And we were fortunate. Dario got hurt early on. He had, he had the COVID situation. So he sat out. Frank Kaminsky played in uh, some big games and started. Um, Jay Crawford was out some games. And, you know, that was early on for us. So we basically stayed pretty healthy. And, um, you know, losing uh, Dario to the finals was huge. Um, certainly we've seen the effect. And it's, it's tough to even slow down Giannis. Um, He's just a tremendous uh, athlete. But, uh, you know, for the Suns, they've got to continue to play balance like they always have. I think, uh, you know, certainly Monty Williams and James Jones has been a, a great uh, team themselves. And, you know, Monty and his staff, I think, uh, as far as 
is just keeping everybody emotionally in check, and they know what they have to do. And and when they pass the ball, and when they obviously make shots, I mean, they play as well as anybody. Um, you know, they had the second best record to the Jazz. Uh, they had the best road record. Uh, certainly, teams. What's great about the playoffs is you have an, an opportunity to adjust. And uh, I thought Milwaukee did a great job adjusting. They were desperate. They were down 2-0, and uh, they came out playing aggressive. They were uh, coming at you hard. And I think the big thing, Giannis is going to get his numbers. There's no question. But I think having Holiday and Middleton really step up helped them. And uh, they dominated the paint. They dominated the boards. They got fast breaks. But, you know, if we make shots, they're not going to get those fast breaks. If we are more aggressive on the, the boards, they probably won't score as much. Um, you know, when Bridges only gets four shots and the game before he had 27, you know, there's got to be a little bit more balance. And uh, so, I, you know, I know Monty and his staff is going to make great adjustments. I don't think Book is going to have uh, this kind of shooting that he had last game. And, uh, you know, again, just making adjustments. And uh, certainly the defense is going to be a key and staying out of foul trouble. So how much of it do you think comes down to the 50-50 balls, the offensive rebounds, coming up with the deflected ball? Because it seems like the first three games, I know the home teams won the first three games, and, and maybe that's the energy of the crowd partly, but it seems like the team that has won those battles has won the games, and it seems like game four ought to be the same deal. Well, absolutely. And as I said, with Milwaukee going back home, they've got their crowd behind them, and uh, certainly you play with a different edge when you're at home, a little bit more confidence and uh, at being down 2-0, they made some adjustments, and they made big adjustments, uh, certainly making shots. But, yeah, absolutely. All those are, are part of the game as far as deflections and jump balls and fouls and uh, boxing out and setting the right screens and getting good pick and rolls. And, um, you know, who's going to have the energy to go after it? And, you know, these are the finals. How many minutes are guys going to play? I know Aiton, uh, since that last game, is basically averaging 40 minutes a game. Um you know, so certainly it's going to be important that he stay out of foul trouble. Easier said than done because Giannis is a very difficult player to defend in this league, as uh, Kevin Durant is. Uh, there's certain guys that, you know, Luca, he's another guy, but uh, Book is tough to guard. And I think uh, certainly the adjustments that Milwaukee did with Middleton and, and Tucker going back and forth and changing up defenses on him, you know, so what does Phoenix do to adjust to that? Holiday put a lot more pressure on uh, uh, Chris Paul bringing the ball up. And, uh, but, again, if we, get, if we make shots, um, we're going to have the opportunity to not let Milwaukee run. Um, if they miss shots, we'll have the opportunity to run. So can we make 23s again? I don't know. But I don't think we shoot as poorly at the three-point line as we did the last game. What makes Monty Williams who he is? Well, that's just his upbringing. His upbringing and, uh, you know, the people that influenced him as, as growing up as a kid. And uh, certainly I know his high school coach, uh, Cap Tickman, was very important in his life. That went to Notre Dame. And just the coaches he's been around his life, uh, certainly the, the tragedy in his life with his uh, wife passing away in a car accident. And, uh, you know, he just, he knows what life is about. He's a teacher. And he's really understood. You know, he steps back and lets these guys be who they are. Um, what's been enjoyable to watch from afar is 
they're, they're, they've been like a high school team all year long. I mean, they all enjoy each other. They do things together. Uh, they're laughing. They're having fun. Um, and yeah, Giannis talks about it. You know, you got to have fun playing the game of basketball. Um, but certainly I think Monty Williams has been, he and James Jones have a great relationship, but Monty, again, being in San Antonio with Pop and, uh, being a, you know, one of the Olympic coaches a few years ago and just being around different coaches. And it really is a fraternity with those guys. And, uh, you know, it just, it's his personality too. I mean, he just, He's a, a kind man, and he cares about people, and he cares about the game and, and his players. And the, the one word that they've used a lot this year is trust. The players trust him, and uh, he, he's not going to divulge things in order to put them, you know, in the limelight, per se. But, uh, you know, Chris Paul was with him at Oklahoma City and Willie Green, the assistant coach. And so just a lot of good connections with everybody. Ann Myers-Drysdale joining us, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President and a broadcaster as well. So is there a sense that this is an opportunity that just has to be grabbed, that everything is lined up, the super teams have their injuries, and Chris Paul's 36, and how much longer can he play at this really high level? Is there that kind of, Has there been that kind of sense all year that this is the chance and you got to grab it? No, I, I think for me and... and Watching from the outside, I would say that, uh, you know, every year is you always feel like you got to go for it. Um, I think sometimes when players do get older, and we've heard, you know, the announcers say you can't beat father time. Well, that's true, but um, certainly LeBron is continuing to play at a certain level. And, you know, Vince Carter played till he was 40 something, and uh, Kareem played when he was 40 something. And certainly you change your game. I mean, Kobe played 20 years. Uh, you change your game, and uh, you can't do things that you did when you were 25. But certainly I think Chris Paul still is uh, understanding what he's capable of doing. I've never been one to look at a player that, uh, or anybody that uh, I don't look at what they can't do. I look at what they can do. And so certainly everybody has their, their positive things that they bring to the table. And I, I just think, yes, this is a great year. Everything's fallen in line for for both teams, and I'm sure both teams feel the same way that they're they're going. One of them is going to be the champion, but um, you know certain things play into the game. As as you talked about the 50-50 balls and who's knocking shots down, who's going to get into foul trouble, who's going to get hurt. Um, you know, there's so many other variables that happen, but uh, we'll have the same attitude going into next year, no matter what happens this year. And uh, I don't know who's going to be on the team. You know, contracts play a big deal on it. Um, you know, players want to go somewhere else or whatever. And, you know, there's so many other things that happen. So your late brother Dave played for the Bucks. Did you grow up a Bucks fan? I grew up a Celtic fan, actually. Um, my mom and dad are from Milwaukee. <laughs> and uh, I was a Bill Russell, John Havlicek fan growing up in Jerry West. We moved out to Southern California in the early 60s and uh, certainly watching West and Baylor and, and uh, Chamberlain and um, Happy Harrison. Um, and I got out of college at UCLA the same time that, you know, Magic came. And then my brother David was drafted by the Lakers, and he was in the, dra- uh, the trade that brought Kareem to L.A., and David went to Milwaukee. So, you know, obviously, you know, Bobby Dandridge and, you know, Kareem and Oscar had won 
the championship in Milwaukee, but you know, David played with uh, you know, Quinn Buckner and uh, Larry Costello was the first coach, and then Nellie came in, Don Nelson, and so Marcus Johnson. And, um, you know, so, yeah, it was hard not to root for the Bucks, uh, especially when my brother David was playing. So uh, for me, it's kind of ironic. Uh, the family is very excited about uh, both teams playing against each other. Ann Myers-Drysdale joining us, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President, TV analyst. For the younger listeners who don't know this, you actually uh, not only dominated in college, you got a contract with the Pacers and got to go try out. It was a very big deal at the time. And I'm curious what how you view the progression of women's coaches now and the odds of an NBA team hiring a female head coach soon. This has to have been something you've thought about a lot over the years. It's interesting. I will say that, you know, when I had my tryout, obviously you're so young and you're just, all you are is focused on you. You don't have any idea what else is going on. Um, so when I was signed as a free agent uh, and had the opportunity to try out, it was free agent rookie camp. And it was three days, two a day practices. And uh, Slick Leonard was the coach. This was not something that he wanted, but it was a new owner. And Certainly publicity was involved, but I never looked at it that way because somebody gave me a chance. My brother was already playing in the pros, and uh, I was hoping to go to the 1980 Olympics. But, um, you know, you still had to be an amateur. But, you know, for me, it was an opportunity of a lifetime. I'd been the number one draft pick in the WBL, which was the very first league in this country uh, for women, and, um, but because I wanted to stay amateur. And then when this opportunity came, I felt it was an opportunity of a lifetime. Um, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but then looking back as I got older and after I played in the WBL and went to the superstars and got into broadcasting, I understood that, you know, there's other things involved and in not just being on the team. And uh, it's like anything in life. Um, you go for a job interview and five people are up for it. What's going to separate you? Who's going to make that decision and say, I want that person on the team or, or working for that organization. And so for me, I, I just felt that, uh, you know, what for whatever reason, Sam Nancy wanted me to try out. Um, and uh, I was had received a lot of publicity in Los Angeles with UCLA and my brother David and John Wooden. And so um, a lot of people knew who I was. And I had played at a high level. A lot of people say, well, you're not good enough. You're, you know, you're a girl. You can't play uh, at that level. Um, but I just overlooked that because of the kind of family that I grew up in. But from there, it, it just, you know, other women have tried out for different sports and so forth. And then there have been, I think Rick Pitino was one of the first to hire a woman as an assistant coach. And, uh, you know, we talk about that on the pro level, but we certainly don't see it on the, the college level, um, you know, as far as coaches hiring women on the, on the men's side in the, in the college level. Uh, but, you know, Becky's gotten a lot of publicity because of Pop, which is great, uh, but there's other women that have been on the bench, too. Jenny Busick's been in Dallas, and, um, you know, there's, there's been a few others, and also in the front office now. Uh, I think Susan O'Malley was the first president of uh, the, Washington, uh, the Washington Bullets at the time before they become the, the Wizards. And uh, so there are more and more women getting into the, the NBA does it happen? Uh, there's a few women in, in the NFL that are assistant coaches, and it's going to take a, an owner. It's going to take a GM and a coach. 
that are all on the same page to accept it and be confident with it. And the fact that Pop has such uh, seniority and respect in the game that people are supporting Becky. And Becky, Becky's been coaching her whole life. She's, her whole life she's been in the game of basketball. And so it doesn't matter what gender. Uh, it's a matter of earning that respect. And uh, it'll happen, but you hope that it'll happen for longer than a two-year contract. And I think it's very difficult for people in the front office to accept it more so than the players. And when the players know that you can coach and you're there for, uh, to support them and, and trust them and, and put your trust in them, I think the players are more adapting than, than sometimes the front office or the, the media and the fans are. So Shohei Tani switching to baseball has been getting a lot of run for hitting home runs and pitching. You know somebody very well, Don Drysdale. He had 29 home runs in the bigs. And you're like, what's the big deal here? <laughs> I know, isn't that something? But you know, didn't they, they say oh, honey wants to who's the, the big Japanese guy that came over back in the the seventies, was it? The sixties? Oh, Sadaharo. Yeah, yeah. And uh so I think he wants to break his record, but yeah, I mean just he's a big guy he's a, as a pitcher, but I think Donnie and, and uh Don Newcomb hold the record for home runs for pitchers at twenty nine, but obviously <laughs> that's going to be broken. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, had 113 ribbies, man. That guy, he he did yeah. it all back in the day. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was he was a good baseball player, and uh, I think the fact that being pitchers, it seems that pitchers really have a a knack as far as going to the booth. And I, uh, from my understanding, that Don always wanted to be a, a broadcaster, even when he was in his teens, and uh, when he got into the pros early on. So it wasn't something that because he was a baseball player, that he got to be a broadcaster. I think he always wanted to be a broadcaster after his playing days, and uh, he was fortunate enough to have a a 14-year playing career with the Dodgers, all with the Dodgers, and then then over 25 years of broadcasting before he passed. And who can forget acting on the Brady Bunch? (laughs) (laughs) Well, he was in a few more than the the Brady Bunch. You're talking about our era in watching that. But I think he was in a few more. And, uh, like, the, I think he was in The Rifleman and Leave It to Beaver and uh, the Donna Reed show. And so he did a few of them. <laughs> well, rather than really uh, leave you a little queasy with my knowledge of the Brady Bunch, I think we'll just uh, wrap it up right here before I start scaring people. And we appreciate well, a few minutes coming on talking NBA Finals and, uh, and other assorted things, including the Donna Reed show. <laughs> well, thanks. And I just want to put in, in one uh, plug for the uh, the Olympic team, not just the men, but the women's Olympic team is uh, pretty solid going after their seventh straight gold. And uh, Diana Trossi and Sue Bird for their fifth Olympic gold. And uh, they'll tie Teresa Edwards as their fifth Olympic. So yeah, I'm excited for the women in the WNBA and, and uh, see what the men do in the Olympics, yeah. too. The summer of basketball. That's right. Yep. And thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Take care. Ann Myers Drysdale, Phoenix Suns and Mercury Vice President and a broadcaster in the organization as well. All right, DJ and PK, Bob Casper, bump back a little bit to make room for uh, Ann there. And we will talk with Bob next about the Open, the draft, who's going to win. We'll make our picks and we'll talk golf with him next. Stay with us.